everyone, and welcome back to the latest season of New Way, the podcast that explores the connections between people, their communities, and the ways that context shapes faith. I'm your host, Sarah Hayden. One of the biggest things for me is culture. After I had joined the church, I had been listening to Calypso and reggae and R&B and all of these different sorts of things. But I remember it was like, well, why can't we play this song with a little bit of snare from the drum, like the way they play reggae? These things that we do naturally, why now that we're in God, they're a problem? And the answer was always, it wasn't of God. It's not of God. Over the years, what I realized was happening was this idea of conversion really meant that I had to strip off my culture. And I didn't agree with that. Why is it that I have to change who I am and who I've always been to be in God? Today we're back with part two of my conversation with the awesome Gina Brown, the curator of thefaithstudio.org. In this episode, we go deep on memories and experiences of communities that encouraged us to be ourselves and some that asked us to leave parts of ourselves behind. Let's jump right in. You know, among many cultural paradigms that we're a part of, the spirit of the age right now is a maker space mm. where there's DIY. You know, half of our magazines are telling you how to deconstruct your furniture and set it up differently. You know, and that's sort of pithy, but I think we expect, and in our professional life and in our social life, people are contributing in meaningful ways to how space is set up, how conversations are curated, how vision statements are crafted. There's this huge creative force that we allude to in the church, the creator's self, Mm -hmm. and yet the spaces that are being curated by those who steward the assembly of the creator is very fixed mm-hmm. and it's just kind of a strange thing for our culture when we are valued in the rest of the spaces in our lives for being innovative, creative, problem-solving people. Yes. I think a lot of these new worshiping communities, especially the non-traditional type style ones, are answers to that. Now, people have been planting church for forever. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> but I think we're in a point in an age where people are saying, I want something different. And I think that's how I got to church adjacent in the first place. (laughs) Let's have a fuller, a more wider conversation. And these people who go off and get all of these great educations and, you know, herald for business and industry and all of these different sorts of things, you can't expect them to come back to the church and check the brain at the door. Mm. We need to be able to participate. And if it means we need to move the needle, allow us to ask questions. Nobody's saying you have to have all of the answers. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's the difference. Mm-hmm. Previously, mm. we've had all of the answers, mm. or we thought we had all of the answers. Yeah. But we're living in a space where it's now freedom of belief. Yeah. This is what works for me and my family or me. Or I think people are looking for that and desire that. Yeah. In the local assembly, there's this communication that's one directional. Yeah. The reverend preaches to you across the pulpit, but when does the reverend get to talk to the pew? Mm-hmm. When do you get to ask the pew what they need? Mm-hmm. If I've been in God for 30 years, I know something about living in God. Yeah, to offer what they have. Yeah, right? how do I get to offer this wealth and body of information that I have to my neighbor? And a lot of the times what I found is that when you ask people to contribute now, because we've been so clergy heavy in our churches, people feel like they don't have the ability mm-hmm. to offer yeah. The wisdom, their lived experiences, to share their lived experiences, or they're not good enough. 
What a terrible thing. Yeah, what a terrible thing because we have to level the playing field because that's what community of the church, I believe, was designed to do, to be able to support each other. Yeah. One of the first things we did in the new worshiping community I founded in Atlanta called Messy Church was we did a service that the theme was blessing. And like my whole point, my hope was really that the kids who were there, really young children, would get to come forward. We would show them traditional anointing of the symbol of the cross and oil on someone's forehead and then hand them the bottle of oil wow. and let them bless those who came forward. Which, growing up, I will say in the church that I was a part of, which was a new church in the 80s, was a very creative church. And stuff like that wouldn't have been a strange thing. But for the children also, immediately responded and began anointing anything that they could (laughs) get their hands on. (laughs) Hopefully, the implicit and explicit message was, like, if you leave this place... Go be a blessing. Go bless others. That it's not something you have to come to the church and the clergy. Part of being a part of the church is that you come at certain moments, you get blessed, and then you have that inside of you versus we are called to be a blessing. And even the youngest among us, their hearts are broken wide open. Mm -hmm. So they're the natural people to be the conduit for that. I agree. Can we talk a little about Faith Studio and what happens when you gather and why that happens when you gather? We're still early in the discernment processes. I would say when we gather, we have three types of services or sessions which are intentional about community. One is like a ministry session where people get the opportunity to be ministered to. Uh, usually this is done by someone that we have come in as a guest empowerment, I guess you would mm-hmm. call it, we call, calling it ministry, yeah. but like an empowerment session where people are encouraged to be whatever it is, the topic is. We have those sessions. We have sessions that we're trying to build up. I call it the pew and pulpit conversations. Hmm. We've had a couple of those that have been very meaningful. The pew gets to talk directly to the ministers. We've had a couple of sessions where people have come in and been open to just being able to answer questions. Mm. And then we have, I would call them teaching sessions. One of my favorite ones, we have them on different topics. One of my favorite ones is um, international Bible study. (laughs) We just recently started that where we have someone who teaches who's from, the past two that we've had were non-Western countries. And they teach Bible study. And one of the reasons why we did this was because I participate in a Friday night Bible study with International Students Association with Columbia Theological Seminary. And we've had some amazing discoveries, again, talking about diversity, because we assume everybody sees scripture the same way. And the diversity of social occasion, you know, and so we've had sessions where they were just mind-blowing, like, that's what you see in the text. Mm. And so I wanted to bring that to Faith Studio. So those sessions tend to be like teaching sessions where we're trying to communicate an idea. One of the teaching sessions we're going to have, as we're starting up again in September, is going to be, what is the Bible? And we're not coming for anybody. <laughs> and they would say, we're not coming to snatch any wigs or anything like that. But because, you know, there are spaces that believe that the Bible is the literal unadulterated word of God. Yeah. But then there's this also this other side that the Bible is inspired and that is not meant to be literal. Mm-hmm. 
So we're just bringing that side into the conversation so that we can see that the Bible is not just a list of testimonies of eyewitnesses, but it was also written very intentionally. And so we're going to have a look at that. And I think because for me, that is a step into understanding diversity. Mm -hmm. I think a foundation has to be laid in order for you to be able to see things differently or see things multiple. It's not as simple as saying, I think you should believe wider. Yeah. (laughs) There needs to be a stepping stone to helping a person to see wider. Mm -hmm. Because I know for myself, when I was taking this journey of being okay with not being okay with the church, (laughs) I had all of these things happening in the back of my mind. You know, you have to go to church every Sunday or you're backslidden. (laughs) And that was always a thing in the back of my mind, like forsake not the assembly of the saints together. But what I realized, the saints were assembling together in different ways. There was more than one way the saints could assemble together. And after a lot of fervor and prayer, like, God, am I okay? Am I okay? I don't want to be backslidden. There's this space that you come out in where you're okay. You realize you're okay. And so we're trying to help people to realize there's no way that you can continue to pray with God and slide out. Now, I know that's even a different set of thought processes because some spaces don't even believe that you can lose your salvation. But for those that feel that you can, this is where this conversation is had. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's okay. It's okay. You just got to quietly make your step by step and go. And so that's a lot of what we deal with. Like, so we have these different doctrinal ideas that all sit in the same space. Yeah. There's a locatedness in those gatherings, I would imagine, because there's space to hear someone else's social location and their resonance with God. It's not just me. If I were not connected with anyone and my thoughts of God, I could feel a little bit lost to a certain extent. Eventually, I think many of us want to dialogue, to gather, to share the experiences that we have, Mm -hmm. which is a different thing, I think, to me, to have that sharing and the listening, to hear someone else say. I had a moment, too, where I questioned what I was taught. It didn't square with my human experience as a woman, Mm -hmm. as a person of color, as a, a person who's queer. I rejected that notion, but because of that, there was a part of me that said, you're rejecting God. As you said earlier, right. that God and people are different right. entities. <laughs> so if I can share that and someone else say, yeah, because of who I am, I also had that different realization. And this is how it's played out in my understanding of my calling. Yeah. And one of the biggest things for me is culture. I didn't understand all of this in the beginning, but I remember after I had joined the church you know, church has its own genre of music. <laughs> and so I have been listening to Calypso and reggae and R&B and all of these different sorts of things. But I remember it was like, well, why can't we play this song with a little bit of snare from the drum, like the way they play reggae? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, or why is clapping your hands a problem? We're talking a long time ago now. Almost everybody claps their hands. But why is clapping your hands, you know, like these things that we do naturally, why now that we're in God, they're a problem? And the answer was always, it wasn't of God. It's not of God. And so over the years, what I realized was happening was, This idea of conversion hmm, 
really meant that I had to strip off my culture. Yeah. And I didn't agree with that. I did not agree with that. I don't agree with that to this day. And I think it's a more common conversation that's happening now. But why is it that I have to change who I am and who I've always been to be in God? Mm-hmm. You know, and now we understand, you know, now I understand about the mission journeys and all of the other sorts of things that went on that caused this understanding. But that was a really, really big thing for me. And I think it was a journey for me of how is it that I get to be acceptable to God in God? Hmm. And then come into the realization, I am accepted in God. That issue is not God. That's people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a people issue. You know, coming from the white reform church, I mean, we're chronically disembodied. I mean, there's nothing that empowers or allows people to clap their hands or move <laughs> their bodies or dance in worship. And we laugh. Oh, it's a frozen chosen. That's always the joke. It's like there's a sense of like weird pride in that. And yeah. it's, just, it's a very sad thing. It's a yeah. very sad thing. Yeah. And so my thing now is after this journey through so many churches, it's like, so if their style of worship is dance like a pixie and that's how it's come, the anointing is coming across, then that's what I'm down with. <laughs> if it's hand clapping, foot stomping, I like that too. I'm just so interested in all of the different ways that it relates. And you cannot talk about a thing until you actually experience it. And I found there's so much beauty and relevance in God and these different things, these different acts and different ways of being in God mean so much to these different groups of people. Yeah. The discovery of that is just amazing to me. Do you know what's your hope for people who are listening and intrigued by what you're saying? I would hope that people will find the authenticity in their relationship with God and that it doesn't have to be the way the institution you were raised in formed you and you can make your own way in God and God is looking to hear from you the whole you not the parts that imitate the institution but the genuine you because the genuineness of you your intellectual property, all of these different parts that have come together that make you up. That is the work, the co-labor with God in creation that he desires for you. Amen. Amen. God, that's beautiful, Gina. Gina, thank you so much for your charge, your blessing, your work, who you are. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for everything that you are doing in this seed planting industry. (laughs) It's got to be amazing to hear all of these stories of how people, how God is moving. I mean, you sit right at the front. You got a front seat at watching God move people embracing what God has given to them and coaching and helping and nurturing and helping us to discern through this process. That's amazing. And I'm grateful for the work that you do. Blessings on you and your work and your vision and all those that are with you. May our journey be joyful. Amen. That's it for my conversation with Gina for now. But you can join up with the Faith Studio right now at faithstudio.org or catch Gina's episode on the Black Seminarian's Table podcast on Spotify. Coming up next, more episodes from our insightful guests as we explore the connections between us, our communities, and the ways that context shapes faith. Make sure you click subscribe where you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single conversation. 
Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Sarah Hayden, and our fabulous producer is Martha M. Sanders. You can always visit us online and see archives of all of our episodes at newchurchnewway.org. Catch you next time. Thank you.